It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. We're recording this on Wednesday, June 23rd, the second of the two off days. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack, and we are going to look back, give some awards for the first four days of the Olympic trials, and also preview the second four days coming up. But first, Gordon, we must start with an apology. I have no idea what this apology is. I got more email. We got more email, I should say. But I got individual email and we got group email about the fact that we said Heather McLean went to UMass School when it was Amherst. And we got more email about this than any (laughs) other topic. So here's the good news if you're a UMass Amherst person, UMass, the flagship institution, I should add. Good news is there's a lot of people in your corner because the volume of email we got about it indicated that this was a very, very big issue. So we apologize. We said Lowell. I said Lowell. You said Lowell. Someone said Lowell. I only said Lowell because you said it. So I didn't want to make you look stupid. So I was just going off of the, I was just going off of you. So this is, this is your apology. And to that point, we heard from Tim who said, now Gordon, I can see this is par for the course, but Kevin, Kevin, you are my guy. After months of policing Gordon's mispronunciations, athlete citizenship, and results chronology, to make your first mistake in 300 episodes at this crucial moment was heartbreaking. And I don't think I need to mention again the children. He said we wronged the children out there. Uh, So full apology to Heather, full apology to everybody in uh, UMass Amherst. I've been to UMass Amherst before. My sister went to college there for about a semester. I ate pizza at Antonio's. So I should have known better. I think I have a shirt. I think I have a UMass Amherst shirt somewhere in my closet. Uh, deepest, deepest apologies. We will, we will get it right. And thank you to everybody for reaching out and letting us know that, that you're paying attention uh, to, to our women's 1,500-meter breakdown. I, okay. What is why? Why are there are they related at all to each other? 
are they completely just, different? They just happen to have the same first name. I like. What is a wall and what is an Amherst? Are they like cities in Massachusetts? Yes. Or yeah, no? they're two okay. different. You're a Northeast guy. Come on, man. This is I don't know, I I don't know Boston that well, man. I know Philly. Come on. This is Ma- this is Massachusetts. This is Massachusetts. This isn't just Boston. Yes, they're two different cities within Boston, so they're part of the same university system. And as that tweet indicated, it's the sister school, sister school there in uh, in Lowell. But Amherst, yeah, Amherst is a, a beautiful city. Uh, produced Heather McLean, obviously now going to the Olympics. They're, so two two totally different schools. Two totally different. And schools. they're slight. They're slightly I don't know smarter. why I said it. Look at that average SAT scores. Uh, <laughs> UMass Amherst eleven thirty to thirteen ten. UMass Lowell eleven hundred to thirteen hundred. So they got an extra ten to thirty points on their SAT scores. So that's why they're really upset. They don't want to be associated with those kids out in Lowell. I think that's that's the issue. I don't know why I got it into my head that it was Lowell, but at some point I got it in my head and I could not get it out. And I was like, mate, did did one of these websites have it wrong? And I went and searched yesterday. I said, nope, it was just on me. And I apologize to Tim. I apologize to everybody who was watching, who counted on me for better. Again, you expect that from Gordon, but I should aspire for much more. I can say one thing. There is another athlete in the NCA right now who might be graduating, Kaylee Richards, who goes to UMass mm. Lowell, who I think sure? could potentially end up at New Balance Boston. So then we could have a Lowell and an Amherst on the same team. I'm not reporting this, but it could happen. So. Are you sure? Are you sure that she goes to UMass Lowell? Does, do we yeah. sure, sure any? Kaylee, okay. Kaylee Richards goes to UMass Lowell. So we have a confirmation that there is somebody who goes to UMass Lowell. But it is not, again, to repeat, it is not Heather right. McLean. It is not her. Uh, let's go to the awards here for the first four days, Gordon. And then I'll talk about some press conference highlights because I went to the press conference yesterday, which gave out some interesting information about the competition to come in the second four days. And then – We'll give a little bit of a preview. You highlighted some scratches that are going to be important, but let's start first by by looking back. I want to go one, uh, one on one here, one one v one. I guess we'll just each drop in our own best race, best performance, biggest surprise, biggest breakthrough, best team that we're sending to Tokyo, and then the best post race moment. I'll start first with you. What was your your best race winner for the first four days? Best race winner or best race? Like best. Oh, sorry. Like, what is your winner of the category best race? What was your favorite race to watch? I'd say my favorite race to watch was the men's eight hundred because there was just a lot of holy shit moments. You had the holy shit moment. Can Isaiah Jewett hold on to this pace and make an Olympic team when there were so many other guys in that field that we thought would have gotten in over him. There was that moment where you saw Donovan Brazier. No, like you saw it in his face. He's like, this isn't happening. Holy crap, I'm not going to the Olympics. And I was like at the 100 meters to go mark. And then he also had the holy shit moment of Clayton Murphy kicking all the way at the end and then throwing down a 143.17, which is a holy shit when you look compared at his previous, you know, all of his races between end of 2019 to now have not been, I'm running 143 in June. For him to do that, it's another holy shit. 
And, you know, it shows that Clay Murphy is basically exactly where we last saw him when he was in his prime in like 17, 18, and 16. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I thought. It was just three holy shit moments with the Isaiah Jewett making it, Donovan Brazier not, and Clayton Murphy winning it and not just uh, surprising fashion, but convincing fashion at the end. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. And I think the 800 is always at an advantage when you talk about the best race because the amount of time that it takes to run the 800 is just maximized for ultimate drama. And it's always close enough. And then when you're looking at not just who wins, but who gets in the top three, it's hard to bet against an 800. I went with the women's 400 because in a way, similar things played out there. Obviously, you had Felix going for the fifth Olympic team. She goes out really, really aggressively in the first hundred then slides back a bit quinera hayes we're wondering hey can she go sub 50 again and she does it and then that whole last hundred was so close you had kendall ellis out there she fades back a bit and then felix comes from out of qualifying position i don't know if we've ever gotten hard confirmation as to what place she was in at 300 but at the very best she was in fifth i think and was able to move up those two spots and just get it at the at the end. And you had Waddle and Jonathan there, who's looking like 2019. Waddle and Jonathan now, I think she's going to be a threat to get a medal in, in Tokyo, even though she finished third here. She hadn't broken 51 in the season until this race. And then, you know, Ellis slides out of the qualifying position. So you have you know, three people there separated by 0.08 seconds. And it was one of those races where, you remember why the trials are the trials because it's not just about who wins. It's about all the, all the different spots. And then with someone like Felix, I mean, that's what I was watching the last hundred. You, you put Hayes out there, all credit to her. She's like on her way to Tokyo. That whole last hundred is pretty clear what she's going to do. So then your eyes just go to, okay, can Felix pull this off? And that was a, a pretty, pretty uh, stunning last hundred from her. And and now she's now she's on the team. So that, that that race was fun. There was a lot going on in just in just fifty seconds in that women's four hundred. You're gonna go first on the next comp. I mean, I don't really have anything. Uh, we have a lot of categories to get through, so I think this yeah, is the let's Oscar style where we can't. You know, we have to cut to commercial breaks all this time. So I think you should just lead off. You're you're the host. You take us to the next category, and I'll give you sure. my my winners. Best performance, Gordon. Best performance. Okay. So are we playing a game where I can't have the same best performance as you? No. You can choose whichever one. Just pretend you're not even looking at my list. But I want to. I want people to hear other people, not just like us both say Ryan Krauser. Who broke What's the Ryan Krauser? Because, because he's broke yeah. the world record. It's easy. It's easy. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like you could argue like El Purier's three – you know, performance in that 1500 when she, after getting knocked off, kind of ran from the gun and kind of never looked back was a very like gutsy performance and running sub four all by herself in a way. But sub four is not the same thing as a world record, especially a world record that no one really thought could ever be broken. And for Ryan Krauser to break it and it just seemed like an inevitability and it seems like he's going to break it again. Like, it just seems like Ryan Krauser is not even done to like, has he even reached his full peak? I like, 
he hasn't he hasn't got there yet, and we're just still waiting for that peak. No, it's the obvious pick, obviously, because he smashes the world record. The way he did it, if you want to add style points to these categories, Ryan Krauser had the style points by having the immediate celebration, 23.37. And listen, he he was hitting all those high 22s last year. Oh, is he ever going to get into 23? Gets into 23. Oh, is he going to be able to keep doing that and get the world record? And he surpasses it by 20 centimeters. I mean, he was a – he's been a force of nature the last couple of years, Ryan Krauser. And to see it culminate at the Olympic trials was was awesome. We'll move on to the next category. You can do honorable mentions too if you want to agree with the pick, but then also give someone else a mention. That's fine too. How about biggest surprise, Gordon? Biggest surprise. You go first. Okay. So there's I was hoping you'd go first because you're gonna say you're gonna say Donovan Brazier not making the team. And I was gonna explain to you why actually it's Fred Curley, it's the men's hundred. It's the men's hundred as a whole, because it wasn't just about one person not making the team. And especially when you consider you know, Brazier's banged up. Okay, it's not the most shocking thing, even though he's the American record holder, even though he's the reigning world champion, even though he has not – get this stat, Gordon. Had not lost to an American in a final since the 2016 Olympic trials, according to my thorough research. Hadn't lost to an American in an 800 in a final since 2016 Olympic trials. So obviously that's stunning. Wow. But then you're like, okay, injuries happen. That's part of the game. The 100, the 100, again, I'll repeat this sentence that I said during the live show uh, after the race happened. If you had told me at the beginning of the year, if you had told me even two months ago, Fred Curley would be on the 100 team and Noah Lyles would not, I would be completely, completely confused as to what you were talking about. Because number one, we, we could not have foreseen curly moving to the event and if you want to go even farther back hey in january before he ran 991 um it's you know could fred curly pull this off no nobody would have thought that and obviously we thought lyles was going to get that spot i said lyles and bromel were co-favorites coming in to the season so he falls back lyles that is curly makes this transition to the hundred and just absolutely knocks it out of the park wins one of the fastest hundred or sorry not wins but qualifies in one of the fastest hundreds ever Runs 986 at the perfect time. Just a clutch performance. He'd never been through rounds in 100 before, really, in a championship-style meet and pulls it off. So that, to me, is, is my biggest surprise because it involved the entire event, not just one person not making it. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely my most entertaining event because it had the Fred Curley factor. You had the depth of everyone in it. You had Justin Gatlin trying to go for another team at his old age. There's just so many cool storylines from different athletes here and there. I mean, Trayvon Bromel, like of any other time, you'd be like his story of going from out of the sport to all of a sudden back on top. You, Trayvon Bromel winning became an afterthought because he just proved that right. he was going to win. Uh, it was all about who was going to get second and third. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. That was a, a big surprise. I would say my big surprise – Obviously, I wanted to say Donovan Brazier. I mean, that's everyone's surprise because uh, – but yeah. because I gave him best race, I know he probably doesn't want best race in this situation, but I want to kind of spread out. I mean, the biggest surprise happened before the meet. <laughs> the biggest surprise yes. was the Shelby Houlihan doping ban for four years for Nandrolone. 
something that they are protesting, something that other people are saying, nope, it, it's you're out, you know. So um, just the whole idea that Shelby Houlihan, who has been the, the star of the women's distance running for the past four years, is now out for the next four. No one saw that coming. And uh, that obviously is the biggest surprise. Like to have that open up the Olympic trials, no one could saw that coming. And I made a joke. If I told you, what what would be the odds of someone taking the Donovan Brazier and Shelby Houlihan won't be on the Olympic team, like yeah. parlay? Yeah. Like that would be, the, the yeah. amount of money you would make off of that would be incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they were like considered the ultimate locks in their respective events. So it just shows, hey, Olympic trials, anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. No, and we were watching that 1500 together and like, man, that's a sensational race. And you almost forgot that she wasn't in it. And it was a week or so ago. Time moves so quickly now that we thought that she was going to be running this race. And we hadn't seen her, but oh, she'll be fine when it comes time for, for the trials, not knowing any of what had been going on. Okay, good picks there for biggest surprise. How about biggest breakthrough, Gordon? Do you want to go first on this one? Biggest breakthrough? I mean, you have you have a bunch, but I could argue the women's 15, second and third place. Uh, second place, Corey McGee running four flat, huge PR by three seconds. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier in one of the other pods about her being stagnant for five straight years after making a world team in 2013. From 2013 to 2018, she was just like not showing any improvement, just like mm-hmm. what's going on, and she's in a prime of her career. But then the next three years, slow and steady improvement to ultimately now making her first Olympic team, running four flat, huge PB. Corey McGee definitely had a big breakthrough, especially on the – normally you don't have this breakthrough – this late in your career. Um, so I would say Corey McGee and then obviously Heather McLean making the team because, you know, no one saw it. From she where? almost didn't even make the final. I mean, yeah, you might say Amherst. There's Corey McGee on your screen making the team. She says, my Olympic dream was born 17 years ago and finally I can stop wondering if I have what it takes to achieve it. Team USA, it is worth it. I mean, it's true. Stop wondering if I have what it takes. When you go five straight years of stagnation from 2013, 2018, you probably have those thoughts. And she just grinded through it. And now 2021, she's an Olympian. And then Heather McLean from UMass Amherst, the, the better of the two Amherst, uh, better of two UMasses. We just the got team. them back on our side. We got the whole university yeah. system back on our side. And now you're sowing divisions. Hey, I'm sure Amherst beyond that. Yeah, we, it's fine. But uh, Heather McLean. She was yeah. DQ. She didn't make the. She didn't make the final, but then had a protest right. to get into the final to be the thirteenth athlete, and then luckily that protest worked because now she's on the Olympic team. She went from just sitting at home watching the finals to being in the finals and making the team. So that was definitely the breakthrough. I went with Isaiah Jewett. There's a lot of good candidates here, but I went with Isaiah Jewett in the eight hundred. He improved his personal best from 146. That was what he was at in May. At the beginning of May, he was 146. And now he's a 143 guy, 143.85 to be exact. So it's just been PR after PR for him the last two months. And to 
put it all out there the way he did and run as aggressively the way he did and to hang on. I was so fixated on what was going on with Brazier in that race. It wasn't until I watched it the second time that I noticed how late Jewett was leading in this. He was very close to winning this thing. He was very close to pulling off just a spectacular upset. And you can see his progression there. So yeah, 144, um, sorry, 147 or six, excuse me. Then he PRs at, at pack 12s, you know, drops his time down again at NCAA outdoors. And then just, he was just taking seconds off after every single, at every single major competition. Uh, so I would go with, I'd go with Isaiah Jewett here for biggest breakthrough. You look farther down the list. There's all sorts of good performances. Cause there were a lot of college kids who really came to play. Like I'm thinking like Makai Williams in the hundred got fifth, Gordon ran nine, nine and got fifth. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of those like non team making performances that kind of can get overlooked because you know, everyone just thinks who's top three and then that's the story and everyone forgets four through eight. But yeah, you look at a lot of some major PBs set in some finals uh, in multiple events. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, like Makai Harris, not Makai Harris, excuse me, Makai Williams. Um, who else had a good uh, college? I mean, hey, even man. like. Someone like El- yeah, Haymack ran well. Haymack ran really well. She ran like what four oh five or something. Four oh four. Four oh four. Hennes ran six. Well. You have Ellie Hennes getting sixth in the in the five k. That's impressive after winning the NCA five k. Um, Daniel Nixon and Samuel Voles. They both yeah. ran one forty fives. Out of college. Yeah, it's just been there's been a bunch of like low key like whoa that. No one really saw that coming. I mean, you could talk about the men's 400 where there were four college kids that made the final. One, then teammates go 3-4 in Randolph Ross and Trevor Stewart from North Carolina A&T. So, yeah, there's yeah. a bunch of uh, college kids pixie dust all over uh, the <laughs> Olympic trials. Pixie dust. Okay. We got two more categories. Best team, and I'm not talking about which brand or which training group had the best performance. What I'm referring to here is which event is going to send the best American team to Tokyo that, that will win the most amount of medals. Uh, I'll start on this one. For me, it's it's easy. You look at the men's 100, and you look at where the U.S. ranks in the world in this event. We knew this going in to the meet and then they only ran faster than we anticipated bromel ran 980 yeah he has a 977 but he backed that up but then you send baker and curly who both have who both set pbs of 985 and 96 and then you contrast that with the world list and you have to ask who's going to beat these guys who is going to be able to break up a u.s sweep in tokyo Audrey de Grasse obviously has a knack for getting medals. That's what he does. He's really good at it. But the fastest guy, uh, non-US guy on the year, you know, 994, I believe. Uh, and then you only have a handful of guys that are sub sub 10. So I think the US has a chance to sweep this event in Tokyo. And for that reason, I think they, they're sending the best squad. There might be a in the second half of the meet, we might find a team that's even better where a sweep has an even higher percentage. But so far, after four days, the men's 100 is the strongest team. 
Hey, I did see trending on Twitter the other day. Some magazine from Canada likened Andre Degras as the next Usain Bolt. Like, can it was about Andre Degras? Can he be the fastest man in the world? Can he take that new throne? And I was just like, dude, who wrote this article? <laughs> I mean, it's, the Google trend and, number, and it was it, it was trending on it was trending on Twitter. I mean, there was a bunch of track people who start quote tweeting it and be like. Yeah, it's not yeah. Andre. De, what you, this is not 2016, 15 Andre DeGrasse. It's different. There's people like Bromel out there, and obviously now seeing Baker and Curly run nine eights. Yeah, I mean, it just shows. It was basically a non-track publication talking about track, but whatever. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I agree with you. The the men's hundred. I mean, I haven't even heard of the two guys who aren't Americans. The three guys who aren't Americans. Uh, Leo Tella of South Africa. Oh, here's here's the article. Here's the article. Put up the article. Usain Bolt is out of the picture. Can Andre de Grasse fill his shoes? The Globe. Mm-hmm. That's not, yeah. I mean, I guess they're both Puma athletes, so those are the shoes you're talking about, the actual shoes. Maybe he's going to wear his actual shoes, but I don't think he's actually going to run as fast. Anyway, um, back to my point. Yeah, men's 100 is the best. I agree with you. I'll give you some honorable mentions. Maybe that could also sweep the men's shot put. You got Kovacs and Krauser and Oderdal. Mm-hmm. They're all top in the world with their doing what they're doing. Um, I mean, they have the world record holder on their team, so that's a, a good team to have. What's the uh, Travis will pull up the current descending order list for shot put? Yeah, so it is a little more. There's a, a few other guys out there who are in the 22s, mm-hmm. but. Oderall has a career performance. I could see America putting three guys in the 22s and sweeping. And then the men's 400. Yeah. There's not really a like crazy 43 type guy out there right now. I mean, maybe eventually Van Niekirk or one of the other guys, Sombrano, can go out there and run a fast 400. But I still think the men's 400 on a U.S. Low-key is still the best. I mean, you got Randolph Ross on the team. He's number one in the world. Michael Norman, number two in the world. And Michael Cherry, number four in the world. And number three in the world, Noah Williams, didn't even make the U.S. final. Number five in the world, Bryce Dedman, didn't make the team. So the men's 400, still uh, the best in the world. Yeah, the men, the 400 worldwide is not that deep. Like, if you scroll down there, you have McWalla sub-45, Zambrano sub-45, Van Niekerk sub-45, Karani, Stephen Gardner, Dwight St. Hilaire. I think that's it. Is there anybody else sub 45 on the year, Travis? If you go a little bit lower on that list, we could see if there's anybody else sub 45. Yeah. There's, so there's six guys, non-Americans, who have run under 45 this year. And there's only one, Randolph Ross, who's run under 44. So I think the U.S. could do some damage there. Now – Gardner solid, Zambrano solid, Van Nieker, Karani James have the history. So you could convince me that the U.S. is only going to get one medal out of this event, but I could also see a scenario where, you know, if Randolph Ross can get back to his NCAA type form and Michael Cherry keeps improving and Norman does what we know he's capable of, that you could have a big medal haul there too as well. Um, so yeah, best team. We got the the shot, the 100, the 400. Women's 400 is coming in the second half. Four-minute hurdles. So we'll we'll definitely add that. 
Last category before we look ahead to the next four days. Best interview slash post-race moment, Gordon. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of these interviews are dog shit. Pardon my French. Because they're recorded on like 480 – recorded on a potato. They're crops where the camera shows like 80% backdrop, 20% just the top of their head. Um there's there's been times when it's been recorded. Quality. It's been t- there's been times when it's been recorded, but it's been all blurry. Uh, where I actually uploaded it, but like the I'm not sure whose interview. Maybe it was Beyond McNeil's interview when it was just like it was like a ghost mm. of her face because it was just not in focus. Um, yeah, but outside of that, of the quality of the camera work, um, we had some great moments, and also it's kind of for those who don't know. The way the media mix zone works is you can't ask the question on Zoom. You have to type it in, and then they have someone ask the question for you. So it doesn't really allow for like interesting follow-ups because you just ask the question, and then they answer it, and then they go on to the next one, and you can't be like, oh, speaking of that, can you elaborate more on this? It doesn't happen. So it's definitely an awkward format, which sometimes can give non- great post-race interviews. Um, but I would say, I mean, I'm not sure if you want to say best, but like, hey, like impactful. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if that's the right word, but like seeing Justin Gatlin get super emotional and talk about, you. I mean, he had like, a, I forget what his line was, but he like had like an out-of-body experience when he didn't realize he was watching himself do something for the last time. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's like that's like crazy deep because um, <clears throat> I think this was him re- realizing like, holy shit, my career is over. Like something I've done for 20 years of my life is now mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anymore. You know, it's just kind of weird, yeah. right? So, but, I mean, when you do something for that long, it's like having like – I mean, this is what you see a lot of these older elite athletes when they retire or when it's over. Like they they get super emotional because that's all that that's what their life was. It's like, what do I do? It's kind of like a death in a weird way. It's like the death of their life because like their life was so surrounded by training and doing this year in and year out. That's what defined them. To not have that, you're like, what's the purpose anymore? Like, whoa, what? Like, and you have to come to grips of like, how do I do the third act of my life? you know, from childhood, professional career, and then post-professional career. Um, you could definitely see in their face, like, no one really knows how to prepare for retirement. And I think Gat- Gatlin's crying was definitely a vulnerable moment that was kind of interesting to see. Like, hey, these, ki- these guys are human, and as much success that they've had, when things end, it sucks no matter what, right? There's no, like, hey, I'm done. I'm happy. I'm moving on. See you guys later. You know, it, it can yeah. be hard, so. Uh, I, liked, I felt like that was the most interesting interview for me. I liked Jewett's interview when he talks about how he has to get his 10-page paper done that night for USC. That was a funny one. Abby Cooper, after the first round, was just so thrilled after she did that solo 5K to get the standard. I thought her her interview was great as well. Uh, just so... <laughs> thankful for like she was like calling out people like interview like uh media members and saying hi to them while she was doing the 
the the interview. It was almost like we were there for that one. That was the one where you actually felt like there wasn't this awkward internet connection between people that they were in the room with you. I so I said best interview slash post race moment. So I'm gonna I'm gonna carry out to everything I saw on the track. Uh, Christina Manning's Doritos earrings. I don't know if that counts as a moment, just but just a, whenever she decided to put those on, I think that was uh, an incredible moment, not just for this meet, but in the history of track and field and in the history of snack chips. And I love track and field, Gordon, and you know me, I love snack chips. So to see those two things combine into one moment was was special for me. Doritos quote tweeted her and called her an icon and said, this is your moment. I would read a 10,000 word story on how these came to be. I am so fascinated by this. I like that she went with Cool Ranch too. That's the only correct decision when you're putting on some sort of Doritos related earring. If she had done just a standard nacho cheese, I would have had questions. In fact, I think she made the Olympic team because she put on Cool Ranch as opposed to an inferior flavor uh, because Cool Ranch is so much better. Uh, And then like – uh, other moments that were sort of in competition, but were celebrations. You got to love Krauser putting his arms up while the ball was still in the air, while the shot was still flying out there. And Shakari's prelim pointing at the clock while she's still running. Like that, that was a semi. She did that in a, in a semi. That was pretty, pretty sensational. She got the shout out from Michelle Obama uh, and a number of other celebrities after after the race. Uh, so those were, those were some of mine. I want to talk about Shakari more in a second. Cause she was at this, at this press conference. Uh, I, I went to yesterday, but any other uh, awards you want to mention Gordon? Um, or, or highlights from day four or first four days. No, I think, we, I mean, we did an hour long podcast after each one. I feel like we got everyone down. We gave everyone the coverage. I'm just ready for the next four days to start tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. The next four days are kind of kind of weird. Like Thursday and Friday, low key, aren't that exciting, man? There's only like one track final. There's the women's steeple on Thursday and the men's steeple on Friday. But Saturday and Sunday is going to be pretty wild with all the finals kind of congested. That's what I'm excited for. So yeah. I'm probably going to snooze my way through these next two Olympic trials days, but then be jolted and have a bunch of four locos or something like that for the the Saturday and please Sunday don't. finals. If, if I'm there, please don't. I've already seen you. I've actually never emotional. had a four loco. I've never had okay. a four loco, so don't worry about it. You're good. Okay, good. You go very quickly from why are there not enough finals to, man, there's way too many finals today. Yeah. That's how the Olympic trials and the and the Olympics work. So I'm at this press conference yesterday, and it's Richardson, it's Dilla Muhammad, it's Rye Benjamin, and Grant Hawley. And before this thing even starts, Rye Benjamin gives Richardson a shout-out for her, for her Instagram. Uh, numbers and I got this graph sent to me by uh, let's see on Twitter uh, trackfan958 so on June 20th Sunday Shakira Richardson had 477 Instagram followers and now she's she's over a million so stop Rye saying 477 running. that's not say 477,000 you really thought Shakira Richardson only had 477 followers i have actually i don't have 477 followers but i have less than that but i think most people understand she had 477,000 followers look here's the graph travis put the graph up look at that 458 on june 19th all the way up to where she is now 
so the star the star turn is complete there 1.1 million so they were all remarking about that. it was kind of a funny lighthearted moment and you saw with michelle obama tweeting about her um it just was interesting it's you can like quantify now in because of social media you can quantify someone's uh star power or just what what was the turning point and obviously it was going to be this weekend another interesting anecdote though this was far more impactful to the actual competition Dalila muhammad said that in march because we haven't seen her race that much she had a hamstring tear uh, and she's also dealing. She was also dealing with COVID. I don't. I didn't get the time right, timeline exactly straight as to which happened first. But um, she's had some issues in her buildup. She feels like she's back now, and she's got her legs under. Her and she credited her muscle memory from running the event. Uh, so that's just something to keep an eye on when we look forward to these 400 meter hurdles because we'd only seen her run a couple times, and you're like, all right. I don't even think we had seen video of her 54. So it's like, hey, did she run the 54, shutting it down off the last hurdle? Or was she running hard all the way through? I think 54 low is going to get on the team. And I think absolutely she can run 54 low. But I would not expect, you know, just absolute, you know, fireworks uh, like we saw at the 2019 championships, just because uh, her buildup has obviously been impacted by by the injury. <clears throat> What else did you learn in the press conference? Because I did not go. You were the only one that went. So yeah, us, uh, give us more info. What else? Tell us the Shakari Richardson quote. Oh, someone asked if she was running the, uh, the about the two hundred. Yeah. Someone said, uh, "Hey, Shakari, can I ask why you're not running the two hundred? And she says, "No, you may not ask," or something like that. <laughs> she didn't. She didn't say why she's not running the two hundred. And there was a pause because I think the guy who asked the question thought she was joking and she'd eventually say, but but she she never she never said it. She's scratching out of the two hundred. Um, I asked Rye Benjamin, so I was curious about this because with um, because he trains with Michael Norman, right? They're in the same group. They got Coach Watts um, in down in USC, and I asked like, did you guys change your prep compared to twenty nineteen, seeing as how you know, Norman obviously got hurt. Rye didn't get gold. He had a great race in Doha. He got hurt in the buildup. It was more of a, a fluke thing. It wasn't an overuse injury. It was because he was the way he's going over hurdle. And he said, I thought this was interesting. He said that they haven't been like doing reps together in workout this time. He's they've split him. The coach, Coach Watch has kept him and Michael Norman apart. And he thinks after the trials, they're gonna come back together because he said the main mantra of this year was just like health 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 not overdoing it and that kind of makes sense when you look at michael norman's results slow and steady well not slow really fast but not his fastest and steady 44 after 44 after 44 and i get the feeling keeping them apart so they don't get too competitive with each other and then after eugene then they really ramp up and then we see something spectacular in tokyo although right benjamin's already been running very fast so i don't know how much that's impacting him. I just thought that was an interesting little little wrinkle based on what happened in 2019. And those are two guys who obviously know each other very well and been training together for several years. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about um, these upcoming prelims. Yes. Got some new heat sheets and stuff like that. First things first, obviously, after people make teams or deal with injuries, there are some notable scratches that occur. 
in the second half of the trials. We had multiple scratches in the 200. Gatlin scratched. Obviously, Shikari Richardson scratched. Michael Norman scratched. In the 800, Shannon Sika scratched. Purier scratched. Yeah. In the 1500, Murphy and Brazier both scratched the 1500. And then the 5K, Lopez Lemong scratched. Klecker scratched. McGordy scratched, obviously, because McGordy's in the 3K steeple. But Lemong not being in that 5K definitely opens up that 5K team. Clearly, the injury that he suffered in the 10K was severe enough to not for him not to re- recover to run two more 5Ks. So Lemong not making the Olympic team after kind of revitalizing his career back in like what 2018 when he started coming back on this strong on the scene um hopefully he can get back together and be his self in 2022 but we're gonna have a fresh uh 5k coming up uh i'm excited to see who makes that team now with no clacker no lemong no mcgordy yeah, so we previewed all this stuff at the beginning, but obvi- changes have happened, right? We've had yeah. the 100, which impacts the 200. We had the 15, which impacts the 8, or in the case of the men, the 8, which impacts the 15, and the 5 and 10. So I wanted to focus in on those because the men's formula hurdles hasn't changed since the beginning of the meet. There's not a new person coming yeah. in that we didn't know about. But let's start with the 200 because I think the men's 200 has gotten – incredibly more interesting like if you had to design the 100 meter results to make the 200 more compelling it happened because now lyles has to qualify has to qualify here kenny bednarik has to qualify this is his only shot we saw terrence laird scratch out of the 100 this is his only shot so you have those three guys needing to get on this 200 meter team otherwise they're not going to be yeah, in Tokyo in an individual event or in Lyles' case in any event because he was out of the relay pool number in the 100 as well. And then you throw in and then you throw in Fred Curley. And I think Fred Curley's got a little extra motivation for this because you could say, all right, he made it in the 100. He's fine. He can be in the relay pool now for, for both relays, 4x1 and 4x4 if he wanted to because he's on the team now, even though he didn't run the 4x4. But Fred Curley... I think wants to prove the point. And I think he wants to go from, hey, I made it in one individual event to two individual events. Because he's, re- he's reading the comments, Garden. He was checking in on what people were saying when he decided to scratch the quarter and then go at it in the 100 and the 200. I mean, you look at his timeline here. He was, he was going, he was looking for his seats. He's making people delete old tweets. He's going to our tweet where we we said he was scratching and someone responds with mistake and he's like, ah, uh, yeah, what? What's that? I can't hear you at someone's name with a whole bunch of numbers behind it. What are you saying now? So I think he wants to obviously prove he's a sub 20 guy because then he joins Van Niekerk and Norman in that very elite group of sub 44, sub 20 and sub 10. And I think he wants to improve, uh, prove that he's uh, you know upgraded from where we thought he would be, which would be just one individual event to two. So you have those four guys intensely motivated for this 200. And that's partly due or largely due to the results in the hundred who ran what and, and, and who got on the team. Yeah, it is interesting. I wish Michael Norman would have stayed in the 200 because then it would got even more. Cause I want to see a, a Norman curly 200 because now they're both show, they both show that they have the speed Obviously, we know what they do in the quarter, but yeah. we'll have to wait maybe till 2022 to see a, a Norman Curley 200 match. Uh, 
But yeah, 200 is going to be fun. Terrence Laird, we keep on forgetting about him. Kind of His stock kind of what took a little dip as soon as he lost to Fambola in the 200 at the NCAAs. But up until that moment, though. he was winning 100. 100. But people, you, you, you remember the last – like even though if he would have won that 200, it would have been a lot different. People would have been a lot more like, watch out for him. But you kind of just have a – once you have that one blemish, people kind of use it against you. Uh, so I'm excited to see him and then obviously Ben Derrick and, and Lyles. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the distance events because we have some heat sheets for, I guess, Thursday, right, tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Men's f- 1500. I think it's time for another edition of the death heat. Where are the death heats? Men's 1500. Okay. So here's the thing about this. There's only three heats and 24 of the 30 athletes are moving on to the final, are moving on to the yeah. second round. So should we get all – should we care about these heats because only six out of 30 people are being eliminated? I think we should just because it's fun to say death heat and we've got some momentum going with this segment. So let's keep it going. All right. All right. So heat one, you got Kiati, you got Hobbs Kessler, Josh Thompson – it seems like an average heat. I mean, Brandon Kidder coming back. Colby Alexander's consistent. Uh, I only see, again, top six qualify, so it doesn't seem too deathly to me. I think we're good. I think that's an all right heat. Heat two, this I feel like yeah. is the death heat. You got yeah. Wally Suleiman, who's a great kicker. He can be in any, any race. And then you have Cole Hawker, Craig Engels, and Centro all in this heat. We could argue that those three are – you could have the future Olympic team all in this first, all in the second heat with Hawker, yeah. Angles, and Centro. Yeah. And here's the thing I like about the trials being so long is it gives chances for redemption. So you, you mentioned Kidder coming back. And in the women's eight, you're going to have some people coming back because it's Hail Mary time, right? It's how do I figure out a way to get on the team? Brenda Martinez was the perfect example of that in 16 you know, has the fall in the 800 and then comes back and gets on in the 15. It's obviously going to be tough in these two events because so many of those spots we feel like are already accounted for in the women's eight and in the men's 15, that to have someone get one that's doubling back is, is going to be long odds. But I just, I like the pursuit of it. I think it's, I think it's fascinating. Um, can I do death heat for the women's eight? Cause that first round is yeah, tomorrow we, too. It was the death so heat the death heat. Eight. Death heat for the women's eight, man. There's, I think, I think that there's, I think it's, it's two or five, it's two or five, because two has Hiltz, Mo, and Green, but then and five Martinez. has, oh, and Martinez, sorry, but five has uh, Rogers, Aikens, Aaliyah Miller, and Kate Grace. So you got two women there. Well under two minutes, so I don't know. I, I I be I'd be open for persuasion here if you think it's if you think it's two over five, but it's one of those two. Well, the interesting thing about the women's eight hundred, there's five heats, only top two qualify with auto. Yeah. So yeah, you look you look at that heat two with a thing mo. I know like we need to not like give a thing mo like the young she's going to get knocked out in the first round treatment that I've been saying earlier in the year but could you see a situation where this is slow and it's just a weird a weird situation happens and green and martinez go one two 
and Mo is third. No, 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 I don't. But I do see us. No, stop trying to make it so I think Mo does not qualify out of the first round. <laughs> let's just let's just stop. Uh, I could see a situation where only two go. And you're right. This is not the men's 1500 where basically everybody skips along into the semis. You're dropping a lot of people in the in the women's in the women's 800, right? Because you're going all the way down to if it's two plus six. What is that? That's that's 16 people. So you're yeah. going. You're 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 dropping a a significant amount going from the first round to the semifinals. So that's why I say five, right? Heat five is tough because if that goes slow, and you have Rogers, Aikens, Miller, and Grace, those are four people obviously that can be finalists, no problem. And a couple of people there who could make the team. That's a that's a tough draw there too. What about the men's men's five k? Yeah, men's five k also has. I think a death heat, bring it up on the screen. I think heat one is the death heat because you have Tier, True, Fisher, and Kincaid, and Jenkins all in that first heat, whereas the second heat does not have that much strength, I would think. like The second heat just has Chalimo. Is the only like – and Emmanuel Bohr, I guess. But mm-hmm. after that, it's like nobody. Right, Hawker. it's all like college kids. Are you assuming Hawker scratches? Okay. Hear me out. Ready for us? Clip this, you. Travis. Cole Hawker in indoors. What did he do? He did the mile 3K double off of how much rest? It was like an hour? Less, two hours? Less than two hours, yeah. Less than two hours. And then at NCAAs, for no reason, he's like, I'm going to do another type of double. I'm going to do a 15 5K double in, what, two hours, right? Less, I think, yeah. Less, less than two hours. Has he been low-key foreshadowing his entire season to us without telling us? Because you look at the Olympic trials uh, schedule for Thursday, and then it's two hours between the 1500 first round and the 5K prelims, I believe. It's two hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 1500 goes from 30 to 24. You only have to be top six in your heat. I honestly can see Cole Hawker trying to conserve as much energy as possible in the 1500 first round, run a 342 and qualify to the second round in the 1500, then come back and run in the easier heat of the 5K and qualify for the 5K final. And the reason you do this is therefore... He has the 5K final in his back pocket, and he can then go to the 1500 second round, run that, make the 1500 final, and then he can go into the final day of competition with a spot on the starting line of both the 1500 final and the 5K final, and he can kind of look at both and be like, hey, which one do I want to do? And he can pick the one that he wants to do. I think he is going to double here. I, I think he has been training to give himself a 5K out, and he'll be the only one who will have two finals on the same day and just pick and choose. Like, hey, what, do I, what team do I want to make? Do I want to make the 5K team or do I want to make the 1500 team? And you'll have that opportunity. That's going to be the story whenever, that everyone's going to be writing at the end of Thursday night is Cole Hawker did the double again. And it's super possible. He can easily qualify in this 15, obviously. 24 of 30, move on to the next round. And then the 5K, he's in the easier heat. He's in the second heat 
of two. So it's even more rest, an extra 13 minutes of rest. I'm telling you, I think Cole Hawker is going to double here. The bad news is the actual double isn't possible in terms of the finals because they start Correct. 40 minutes apart. They start 40 minutes apart. So by the time he finishes the 5K, he'd be down to about 27 minutes apart or 26 minutes apart. He'd just stay on the track basically and maybe walk a lap, get some water, and then wander over to the 1,500-meter start line. I The semi would be what would be prob- – I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong that he could qualify in both given his set of skills. But I think the issue would be then the next day you come back in the 15, a very competitive 1,500-meter semi, and then try to run that. And then you're just adding up races on top of races. I think he's going to end up picking one. And I would – I'm guessing the 15. That's just been my assumption. But just because he he won at NCAAs, I guess you could have said he could have won won the 5K at NCAAs if he was fresh. But I want to talk about the other Oregon guy, though. And, and the, your favorite event. I know it was your favorite event during the NCAA season, but it's just your favorite event forever. That's the men's 5K. Cooper Tier's got a legitimate shot. Your Cooper Tier pick has aged pretty well, especially because he hasn't run <laughs> during the time that it's aged. Because look at who you have now left in the 5K. You mentioned that Lamong is out. Klecker is out. Okay, we know Kincaid and Fisher are sharp. We obviously are going to count for Paul Chalimo because you're not going to count out the guy who's won as many U.S. titles as he has. But then where do you go from there? Who do you feel great about being faster than Cooper Tier? You have Ben True coming back from that fourth-place finish. You have Jenkins, who DNF'd the 10,000. Bohr, I think, could make some noise. But Tier, at the very least, is going to be in it. I don't think there's any scenario where Tier's not a not a factor here and not a top five guy. Yeah, I, I think Tier it's setting up really well, really well for him. Um, most of the guys on this start list, you just feel like aren't. It's it's not that deep, especially once Lamont gets taken out. When Lamont gets taken out, you're like, whoa, that's like Lamont was like a. 60% chance of making a team type athlete mm-hmm. and you take that out it just opens up so many more avenues for someone to sneak onto this team and you also have the factor of Kincaid and Fisher already qualifying in the 10k like what it where like is that going to help them hurt them i mean obviously they're still elite enough that i think they're not going to feel the 10k in their legs once they get to the 5k final but mm-hmm. There is that mental aspect of there. You've already you're already made the Olympics, so you're kind of just like house money in a weird way, um, where like you know two hundred uh, four hundred meters to go, you might not be able to go to that tenth to that seventh gear because your your it's mind is telling you it. Your mind is telling you, no, we don't need to do seventh gear right now. We don't need to go to our deathbed because. We're already in the Olympics. Like your brain, you may think you'll tell your brain to tell you to go to your deathbed for all you can to try to make an Olympic team, but there's going to be part of your brain be like, no, buddy, we ain't doing it this time because guess what? You're already going in the 10, so I'm not going to let you go to the seventh gear. I think there's mm-hmm. a crazy things in our brains that happen. So I think that could happen to a Kincaid or a Fisher. And Cooper Tierman, I think you can make the team. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. And maybe the collegians, that's where the collegians are going to make it. And maybe it's not going to be in the, in the 1500 as we thought before. Although you have to feel good about Nagus and, and Hawker's shot. If Hawker does end up running the 1500, I real quick, I want to talk about the 200 and then the women's steeple if we could, because women's 200 first round is, is coming up. And there's an interesting thing happening right now in the women's 200. We talked about Richardson scratching. And then you look at all, like how the collegians fared in the, in the hundred and you look at how the veterans fared in the hundred. I think Prandini is a real threat to make the team based on what she did in the hundred. And she's always been better in the 200 Gabby Thomas as well too. Um, and then you have, you have Felix and I don't know if she wants to double the double is weird in terms of how it would happen at the Olympics, but it's just interesting. I want to see how Tamara Clark responds after the hundred. I want to see how, um, Tanisha Terry, who's still entered responds, Cambria Sturgis, who ran twenty two twelve. I want to see if any collegians could get in. Cause right now you feel really good about the veterans like Prandini, Thomas, Brittany Brown and and Allison Felix making that a very experienced final um, in the 200. Women's steeple is the only final running event on Thursday, right? So we should give it some love here. Are you sticking with your pick of Coburn, Frericks, and Wayman? Yes, everyone is picking with the Coburn, Frericks one, two in any order. Yes. The question is... Yeah. Who will get that third spot? And I think we can narrow it down to the people who already have the standard because I think that kind of shows where you are. So Val Constantine, Mel Lawrence, Grayson Murphy, Courtney Weymouth, Leah Fallen, and Marissa Howard. I think it's going to be one of those that get that third spot. And they're all equal in my mind. I, I'm, I think Courtney Weymouth is going to get some redemption for – not having her best race at NCAAs, and I think she, I think she pulls it off. That's what I'm going with. She's got to figure out that that water jump, though. It threw off her rhythm during NCAAs, and it didn't look great in the first round either. I think she's got the ability to do it, but that's where the technical elements of the event come in. I thought Fallon looked looked really strong running running low nine twenty. I thought. I thought a 920 is going to go after quickly pulled out, but then seeing how many people ran 920, like Grayson Murphy drops a 925, how many people ran like mid 920s? You think one of them is going to break out and run a run uh, high nine in the teens? This event has improved so much, and you know obviously why because you look at the people who have competed in it and they just have taken it to the, an, another level and up their game with Coburn, Frericks, Quigley, you know. Simpson, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, Leah Fallon, Leah Fallon is the only one of that second tier group that has broken nine twenty in her career. Yeah, she went, she's run nine eighteen. So yeah, Fallon could be the person who could kind of find a way to put together at the right moment, maybe get a new PR, run nine seventeen, and make the team and be a good starting uh, first year for Dathan Ritzenhine to get both Leah Fallon and Joe Klecker on an Olympic team. Mm. There you go. Get that. See, get coach of the year, maybe. Gordon's coach of the year rankings. He'd move up. Coach of the year rankings. There you go. <laughs> All 
All right. Is there anything else? I'm looking at the chat. Any other questions? People throw them real quick here. Not sure uh, if anybody has anything else. You really uh, kind of just are... like you like shoot off my Cole Hawker take. The idea the guy's been literally showing us himself doubling in short time spans. He's the only one in the entire U.S. who's been doing that. Cooper Tier's not doing that. Yaren Nagus isn't doing that type of stuff, but he did it indoors. He's done crazy back-to-back days. I'm telling you, man, I don't think he's nervous about losing to a 337 guy in the second round of the 1500 that he actually had to run a 1325K 24 hours prior. Like, I just don't he's think done he incredible. The goal is to make – the goal is not team points. The goal is to get top three in one or the other. And what you're saying, you do all that stuff just so you can have a better guess at which event you're going to pick in finals. If they had different finals days, I'd be with you because then he's got two tickets to the dance and he has two options. But all of it just leads to him still only having one option. So you're just saying do all this so that way you have the best possible information. I think they can game out and forecast out now which one has the best option and then not put extra races on your legs. I, I would agree with you if the finals were on different days because then he would carry it through the whole way. So, You see the Allison Felix news? I saw that JoJo go- sent a text. <laughs> Keep going. You just might discover your legacy in your darkest moments. Excited to announce by Sash? Sash? How do you- Man, you you really uh, screwed up the landing on that one. You well, can't do that whole build up and then that? not actually. Say, say, I don't know. I just sash? found out about it. I just found out about it. Uh, How do you say it? Sash, sash, by sash, sayash. Hey, it's not on me. That's on Allison Felix to make sure I say the name properly. I mean, no, because you messed up most. You've messed up most names. I don't think that. Uh, that is her responsibility at all. If she could do that, she'd be a miracle worker. Uh, Patrick wants to know, how are your 4 a.m. rankings holding up? Oh, my 4 a.m. rankings? <laughs> I'm starting to see why they were made at 4 a.m. You know, I can, I'm starting to see them. Come. No, there are some like no, low-key, like notable, like, hey, I got that one right. Like knowing where Galen Rupp would finish. I was pretty accurate mm-hmm. on that one. I think I had him sixth and he finished sixth. Uh, like there's some like, obviously I'm, I'm seeing a lot of like, the ones I got right, and then I see a lot of the ones I got wrong. But here's the the thing about it, like, I've learned this. The fact that our sport doesn't have, like, an official injury report, you are literally gambling with predictions. Like, if we would have known Donovan Brazier wasn't 100%, we would not have probably all just put him number one, move on, next event. If we would have known that... You know, like if we could have, this is what make it best. If we could see everyone's training log the week before the race, I think our rankings would be a lot better. Because then you actually, you just don't know what an athlete's doing. I mean, athletes can go off into the yeah. middle of nowhere yeah. and not return for like three months. And then you could be completely dumb for thinking they're going to fail and also completely done for, done, dumb for thinking they're going to succeed. So the rankings aren't doing too bad. I think. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I, uh, Matt, there are some. The Matt, Kinca- I had Kincaid not high. That's my biggest failure. I, w- I didn't believe in Kincaid. Uh, that was uh, a big mistake. Rose Runner says, well, Hawker and Central fist bump after. 
Yeah, I think him and Hawker are cool. I thought it was him and Tier that had the the social media dust up. Uh, Matt says four by four North Carolina A and T relay team uh, made the Olympics. Yeah, you can if if Stewart and Ross are on that final, you're gonna have the US A and T tweets coming. So be prepared for that. US A and T. I'm just just giving out ideas here. Uh, Matt also asks odds of Hobbs Kessler making the team. Uh, I'd like to see how he does in these first two rounds. I don't think he's going to make the team. I think there's odds. He has a chance, a, a, a greater than zero chance, but he also has a less than 20% chance. I think there's more people in this field who have a better chance of making the team. They don't, you know, his best performance that he has, what place did he finish in that race? Like sixth? The Portland Track Festival? Yeah. What place was he in that race? Yeah, I think he was. I mean, he's behind Henry Wynn. He was behind, obviously, Engels. Sietti uh, was Gian up there. Chiatti, was yeah, Sietti. Yeah. He was sixth. No, fifth. So Excuse his me. best, his best race, he was fifth. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to think about that. Like, hey, you need him to have another better race and not be fifth. So. Hey, he has a chance. He's proved, you know, he's going to need some other guys to kind of fall apart, I think, for him to, to make the team. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go through these real quick because we're running out of time. Uh, if Felix gets 200, do you think she picks 200 or 400? I would say four, but I think, it would, yeah. I think it'll depend on what other people do, but I think I'd say four. Uh, was Brazier, this is Amar, was Brazier sick when you were in the 800? I don't think sick. I think it was injury. Do we know Moe's shoe sponsor yet from Roadrunner? Rose Runner, no, we do not, unless Gordon wants to break some news. Uh, and then we got some emails here, flowtrackpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Kevin wants to know, not me. He confused about relay pools. You gave your picks in the podcast, but some of the athletes in the top eight of the 400 seem to think they've guaranteed to be in the 4 by 4 or mixed pool. That can't be true if runners are added from the 1, 2, 400 hurdles, or 800. Do you know what date the U.S. must declare the six names? What if Lyles does not qualify in the 200? I don't think he can be in the pool then. Yeah. So as per my understanding, you take six 4 by one or six people in the 100, and you're going to take between eight six and the eight in the – Well, they took seven, though, in, in 2019 for some reason. Oh, and man. I don't know if it was because of an injury. Now, they all go. They're in the pool. Now, whether or not they want to be used or not is up to the coach. Yeah. Right, so you could get picked and you could go and you could be ready, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to run a leg on the relay. And someone like Lyles, if he doesn't make it in the 200, I, I, the odds of him getting added are very small. Yeah, yeah, the 200 runners, the 400 hurdle runners, the 800 runners, they don't count towards the pool as the they just get to be called in off the bench if they want to. So Rye Benjamin isn't technically in the 400 relay pool. He's just on the team. And then the coach yeah. says, hey, there's this guy running the 400 hurdles. So you can probably split 43 for us. You want, you want to add him? Yeah, let's do that. He doesn't count towards the think pool. Of, yeah, think of it as like you have a roster number that you're allowed to hit. So none of those people count against the roster number total, right? There's yeah. a certain amount of people that can be on, on Team USA. So then you're adding depth in your, in your 100 and your 400. Okay, uh, real quick, George, he says, gentlemen, we must change the stupid selection system and be able to select two out of the three entries from the trials and allow the third selection to be by committee, like any other normal country, not to disenfranchise the third place finisher, but to provide flexibility for the multiple scenarios that can prevent the best runner, jumper, thrower in the world from not making the team on one given day. 
Example, hurdle falls, runner gets tripped, the runner gets sick, etc. It's time to change the insane selection system. That is George. Your thoughts, Gordon. Okay. So I agree and disagree with that statement because I know the way the U.S. will react, the U.S. track world will react to anytime a Nike athlete is picked over a non-Nike athlete, everyone will say, oh, collusion, all that stuff. And it's just going to bring so much anger of like, why are you picking this person? They're not in shape. Who cares what they did two years ago? So I think giving a committee a chance to pick is just going to open up too much politics. However, I do think we could explore like an auto system where if you are the world champion from the previous year, not from the previous Olympics, but from the, the exact previous year, you get the auto and then they only pick two. So all the 2019 world champions go. And if you're running in an event that has a 2019 world champion, then it's only top two qualifying. I think that would be the the only way to do a non-top three where it's like, because no one would argue picking Donovan Brazier as an auto. They're not going to be like, hey, that's not fair. He needs to earn it. It's like, well, he just won. He's the best man in the world. So Because he won, like cause he won two years ago? Well, this is a weird situation where it's two years because of a pandemic, but we're not, I'm not planning on having a pandemic every Olympic cycle. So well, even year, even a year based no, on no, but like a, a year ago. No, come on. Listen. No, it, it, no, listen. no, the 20, if the 2000 to 2024 Olympics, I don't think it would be weird to let the 2023 world champion autoed on my team in the 2024 Olympic team. I don't think that's, yeah, weird. I just, I just, well, what if they're hurt? What if they're not in shape? This is the essence of sports is you have to bring it on the day. It's not what you did last month, last year. This is what makes sports special. Are there going to be upsets? Yeah, obviously. But look at, in totality, all the events here. Most of the time, the people that we expected to show up showed up. Dalila Muhammad got this question at the press conference, and she basically – because they said, what about other countries that have a selection or add one on? She's like, well, the problem with that is who do you select? who gets that designation that in itself is much more complicated and much more fraught with problems than the idea of everybody lines up and races and Hey, someone is going to get sick or have an injury. I mean, the famous example is 2016 women's high hurdles. Kenny Harrison gets sixth. She goes on to break the world record before the Olympics. And people were saying, add her to the team. They should change the procedure. Well, postscript, you know what happened to team USA and Rio that year in the hurdles, Gordon? Yeah. One, one two, three. They swept. So if the goal is sending the best American team, you still do a pretty good job. Are there going to be random exceptions? Sure, but it's not worth throwing out the whole system for it. Look at what's going on in Kenya right now with Timothy Chariot. Finishes fourth. Technically, he can be added, right? Because they have a two plus one system. And as of right now, they have not added him to the team. Why? That's anybody's guess. People are going to speculate. Maybe we'll get the full story at some point. But that is just so complicated and you're right it's so fraught with like politics this is the be this is, is not obviously perfect no one system is going to be perfect but it's by far the best because it leaves but, it up to the athletes i don't i think you sh shutting my idea as like a stupid idea i don't think it's that wild there's no politics in saying if you are a world champion from the previous calendar year you are worthy well, of an auto 
I don't think that's weird. Well, you I, get that's that for political. world championships. You get that for world championships. That's fine. That's fine. That that exists in the sport. Worth world athletics. Yeah, but though it's a it's a it's a plus it's a plus it's a fourth person. It, that's not it's not an an auto of the three. It's a it's a well, athlete, if world so athletics want well, and if world athletics wants to do that, or if the IOC or whatever wants to do that, then they can do that. But you're gonna have all sorts of scenarios then where people are are getting in and bumping somebody out who's not prepared to run. That's what I think is going to happen. And listen, if you can't, you, you live by the system and you kind of die by the system, right? Because you, that's how you get on the team. And then, and then you get bumped off the team that same way. That's just, that's just how it works, right? You, you can, you're, you, you can pull the upset too. You don't have to just be the one getting upset in the, in these scenarios. And I don't think that, I mean, basing something off of what happened last year in sports is just—it's—it can go a different, it can go directions that you don't anticipate. Is basically what I'm saying. And the whole idea with sports is it's a new year, a new day. Everybody starts fresh. Now, here's here's why I would agree with you. If you were like Gordon Mack, commissioner of track, and you're like, how do I make the regular season of track more interesting? And you figured out some convoluted system to where they earn their way in throughout the season, like kind of like a world ranking, but for the U S trials, I, I don't think I would prefer that system, but I would listen to the argument because you're basically saying, Hey, we need to make it. So it's not just about one meet. We need to make it. So it's about the entire season like that, but that would, that would require huge wholesale structural changes within the sport of track and field that, that it would, t- would take a long time to figure out. But that would make more sense to me of like, man, Donovan Brazier was basically, you know, he's undefeated in the regular season. And because of that, he's going to go. And then we're going to add in two people um, from trials, right? Like that, that you could see, because it's that season. So, you know, you have full evidence and proof that he could make it. Uh-oh. What about this? Oh, no. What about this? How about this? Might, might be time to end the pod. What if you did, you have three olympic trials where you win the first olympic trials you're on the team and then you have a second olympic trials and the winner of that race is on the team and then you have a third olympic trials and the winner of that race is on the team so you get three races it's not about getting second we don't celebrate second or third we just only celebrate three winners what about that i guess the negative there would be um there's no like you, you, once you know you're not going to win, you're you just you quit, right? There's no glory in getting second. Like by everyone's just going to jog at the end because you're wasting a spot. But the way you could make it is you could say, "Hey, finishing making a final or like finishing top six in if you finish like top eight or six in the first Olympic trial." Okay, this is oh I got the idea. So you have three Olympic trials, right? Winner of each Olympic trials gets a spot on the team. So you have three people making the team. All right. First Olympic trials. If you uh, get if you get like top if you get top six or top eight, I'm not sure what the number is, then in the second Olympic trials, you don't have to run the first round. You get a bye or something like that. So there's incentive to still run well if you don't win, because you get you get a better advantage in the second Olympic trials. And then you do the same thing for the third Olympic trials. And it's just winner, winner moves. That'd be fun. And you, you do it over like you do, you do it over a, 
I don't know how what the time frame, but that would make a regular season more impactful. Like, because then it's like, hey, it wasn't my day. It's okay. I have it. I have it. It's like a. It'll be like a. You know, a three game series. You know, it's be like a seven like- game series, five game series. Your your sentence started with all right. There's three Olympic trials, and that's where I was out. I gotta say, no, that's, that's a great. No, and then you have three winners, and those three winners are your Olympic team. This is a great idea that I just came up with. And you, I think people in the chat. I'm not looking at the chat, but I think people in the chat are gonna like it because uh, you get then you get three winners, and those three winners are the team. Okay. Well, someone said, "What is he smoking?" Another person said, ah. "What is this man on?" Uh, someone said, LOL, I like this. I think they're talking about you. Uh, we have some crying face emojis. Uh, <laughs> I just I just think you can't just build the system around a couple upsets for two reasons. One, upsets are what makes sports interesting. And two, you're, you're, if you're saying we're going to send a weaker team, but in 90% of the events, you're sending the team that – uh, either you thought or, you know, it, it helps sort out how complicated things are. So it's like a thing, Mo and Ajay Wilson this year, who would get who, women's 800. We haven't seen it yet. You know, who gets that by, right? And then with this wide open race for third, we don't know, but we want, the U.S. should want to send a team with people who are in shape right now and have gone through a similar process as the Olympics, trial by fire type scenario. But you can't, because Harrison doesn't make it or Brazier doesn't make it, you can't say the whole system is screwed up. Now, five you, man, Olympic three, trials. Three, no. Five Olympic trials, then maybe you could convince me. Minimum. You're making a mockery of it. I'm telling you, three championship races where you got to win to qualify. And then it's an obvious thing. And say you're down to Brazier and you have this type of race in the first Olympic trials. You're like, oh, dang it. And then he's like, I'm not ready yet for that second one. All right, I'm going all in on the third one. And it's like this strategy thing. I, dude, I'm telling you, yeah. people people would like it. You get to, imagine you get to watch the Olympic trials three times. It'll be fun. You'd be like, who's gonna and then like the build up to the third one, the, like the grand finale, everyone there's so much more pressure on it. Yeah. All, All right. So I'll end with this comment. Asking. I'll end with this comment from Patrick. He says Gordon should just trust the process we have now. Kicking me while I'm down. Kicking me while I'm down, aren't you? I get it. All right. We'll be back tomorrow night right after the meet ends. Turn into the Flow Track Podcast YouTube channel. We will review everything from Thursday's action. Look ahead to Friday as well. Very excited. Got four more days of Olympic trials. Thanks, everybody, so much for subscribing. Email the pod, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. Thanks to the inventor of the seven-part Olympic trials, Gordon Mack. We will see you on Thursday night.